0: And so, gracious God, in these moments, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts and minds together today be found pleasing in your sight. O God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Amen. Friends, I want to reflect this morning on something that I think God is stirring in lots of different places at the moment, including amongst us. Something that's important but not easy and is related to the justice of God's kingdom. It's been part of our evening prayers, part of the women's bible study, part of our racial justice webinars the last two Tuesdays, and indeed the agenda for the Baptist Union Council this week too, and in many of our hearts. How do we make the justice of the kingdom of God integral to our lives and our lives together? See, we don't have to look very far to see or sense how the world around us doesn't always share our values and how in many ways we have things in common with biblical characters like Esther and Daniel and all our forebears who lived through the exile that we read about in the Old Testament. We're living in a world uh, where the way we see things doesn't have precedent over others and we have to Constantly and consistently navigate issues and circumstances and challenges that make us think. Issues and circumstances where it's not always obvious or simple to work out what the right thing to do is. We read, of course, throughout the Old Testament how the story goes and how God always rescues the exiles. But it's important for us as disciples of Jesus Christ to keep exploring ways of living that are countercultural and rooted deep in faith. Things that we can commit to being and doing that will lead our lives to shine like beacons of light. Over recent months, indeed years, in our Sunday gatherings and beyond, we've thought about lots of different ways of being uh, missional on how we might extend the kingdom. We've explored the commitment to authentic, honest uh, community together. We've explored the call for each of us to be generous and practice hospitality. We've explored working hard and serving a cause that's greater than ourselves. And these are by no means the only distinctives of a Christian community in the way we behave, but they are important. But in addition, perhaps uh, in even more than... We need to consider how we deal with issues of justice and how we make a positive and distinct contribution to the world around us. And so this morning I want to reflect on that because I think it's something that Jesus calls us as his disciples to be passionate about. Calls us at times to speak out about when we find uh, situations and circumstances that are unjust, where we see injustice around us, where people are marginalised and ignored. Christ calls us to act. Friends there is a real need for us to be restless with injustice. There are plenty of reasons not to be. It's hard work so we don't want to think about it. Some people don't like it so we don't want to think about it. It challenges us we might have to change so we don't want to think about it and I'm not sure any of those are good reasons not to take seriously the cry for justice that runs throughout our scriptures. These past months, the past few years, has have seen lots of justice movements beyond the church rise up and challenge the way we live, whether it's Extinction Rebellion or Me Too or Black Lives Matter, all calling out various injustices. And where is the church in all these things? Sometimes when it comes to the environment or racism or misogyny, we are nowhere to be found. Sometimes it takes people outside the church raising their voice for us to hear God's call to act. You know, not everyone thinks there's much injustice in the world. I can point to all the donations that come in when there's an emergency appeal. Or the anti-war marches as signs that people are engaged and speaking up. But where is everybody the day after, the week after that initial moment hits the headlines? And that's where the calling of the church becomes the way in which we engage with the world has changed. Whereas once people were more prepared to invest time and energy and money into a campaign or an idea, now we're more inclined to protest once or donate money in a one-off way to express how we feel about something. People seem to need this valve uh, for regular brief responses to global justice issues, but we're less sure about being part of a long-term movement change. Friends, I suggest to you today that part of what it means to be the church is to be one long-term movement for change. And that's the core of the faith that we are committed to following, furthering justice, even if we don't feel like it and we haven't got the emotional appeal film to help us feel that we should is part of our calling as Christians to work tirelessly for the extension of God's kingdom of grace and peace and truth and kindness and generosity throughout all of creation. Can we or should we ever be completely comfortable in a world where there is such starvation? Can we be totally at home in a world where 12,000 women are killed each year just in Russia alone as a result of domestic violence? or in a world where 300,000 children are soldiers fighting in conflicts around the globe, or where 120,000 women and girls are trafficked across international borders each year, how can we not be restless with injustice? It's not enough that we simply share bread with the poor and the marginalised. Part of our companionship and our discipleship requires us to be peacemakers and to address the forces that foster and promote poverty and injustice around the world. You know, peacemakers are not those who shy away from every disagreement or challenging situation. It's peacemakers, not conflict avoiders, that are called children of God. We must avoid ostrich syndrome by burying our heads in the sand. You know, there are many things that are asked of the followers of Jesus, of you and me things that should flow out of our hearts and minds that are sold out on loving God and loving our neighbours. You know, a heart committed to sharing God's love cannot help but loosen the chains of injustice. A mind dedicated to knowing more of God's holiness cannot help but set the oppressed free. For when we do these things and we feed the hungry and provide shelter for the homeless and speak out against the racism and misogyny and homophobia and climate destruction and the systems that trap too many in circumstances beyond their control and beyond their capacity to change them. When we speak up on these things, then our light will shine like the dawn as we heard in the reading from the prophet Isaiah effective disciples will ensure that their voice is heard. They will let our officials and our politicians know what we think about global issues. It's about committing to not allowing cycles of self-interest or apathy to overwhelm our good intentions. And friends, I know that that's hard and that's why we need each other, why we do this together. In Galatians 6, Paul acknowledges the challenges. He said, let us not become weary for doing good, for at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. We must agitate on behalf of the poor and those who are denied a voice. Sometimes this might fly in the face of our own self-interest, but it is the call of Christ nevertheless. And, we, and he went to the cross rather than concede one little bit on the loving and gracious nature of God. He was the very essence of the calling that goes out from the prophet Micah, And what does the Lord require of you to act justly and love mercy and walk humbly with your God? What greater act of mercy has there ever been than the cross, where Christ gives up his life so that we might find ours? What greater life of humility and justice has there ever been than the one whose story we read in the Gospels, where on every page he steps towards the oppressed And the marginalized. And if we're in any doubt, God takes this very seriously. Just the next chapter on in Isaiah 59, beginning at verse 14, it says this So justice is driven back, and righteousness stands at a distance. Truth has stumbled in the streets, and honesty cannot enter. Truth is nowhere to be found, and whoever shuns evil becomes a prey. The Lord looked and was displeased that there was no justice. He saw that there was no one. He was appalled that there was no one to intervene. So his own arm achieved salvation for him and his own righteousness sustained him. He put on righteousness as his breastplate and the helmet of salvation on his head. He put on the garments of vengeance and wrapped himself in zeal as in a cloak. According to what they have done, he will repay wrath to his enemies and retribution to his foes. He will repay the islands their dues. From the West, people will fear the name of the Lord. From the rising of the sun, they will revere his glory. All through our scriptures, God makes it clear that this is important. But making this a deep reality in our lives and in our life together means we have to take steps to put it into practice. It'll mean always taking our votes seriously, not just thinking about who will give us the best deal, or the most comfortable lifestyle. It means intentionally listening to people of colour about their experiences of racism. It'll mean resourcing the food bank. It'll mean working to live the most eco-friendly lives that we can. It'll mean stepping towards and listening to those who are different to us and those whose voices are seldom heard, and a whole host of other things besides. Part of this, perhaps at the root of this, is a call to us not to accept the world as we find it and settling for what we see. We're required to develop a prophetic imagination, to spend time looking at what peacemaking means in practice or how we can contribute to loosening the chains of injustice, imagining together what our life together and our community and our nation could look like if the justice of God's kingdom was seen more and more we know that this is not really where we belong. The levels of abuse and persecution and violence and oppression and greed are a constant reminder to us of how alien so much of this world is, or at least should be, to us. Being in this world and not of this world means walking a road less travelled, that of justice and compassion. And there are all sorts of things happening across the world, even tonight. For every war and environmental disaster and scary trade deal, there are thousands of counterbalancing acts of humility and creativity and kindness. Whether they're community gardens and homeless shelters and peace and reconciliation commissions and phone calls and care packages and all sorts of other things, we mustn't be discouraged by the enormity of the task. The point is that the battle must be joined. Being neutral is no longer an option, but it was never really an option. As Desmond Tutu is quoted famously as saying, if you are neutral in situations of injustice, then you have chosen the side of the oppressor. God, we know, will ultimately be glorified and we'll see that the persecuted are vindicated. In the meantime, you and I are called to put our backs into justice, not just because it sounds good, but because Jesus did just that. And we're called to be like him. It's frustrating that things don't change more quickly. I know that. It's hard sometimes to keep having to rethink and to be challenged. The size of the task can seem so big. But as Martin Luther King said in National Cathedral in Washington in 1968, the arc of the moral universe is long, but it bends towards justice. Friends, we know how the story ends. And so to return to Isaiah 58, this is the kind of fast day I am after, to break the chains of injustice, to get rid of exploitation in the workplace, to free the oppressed and cancel debts. What I'm interested in seeing you do is share your food with the hungry, inviting the homeless poor into your homes, putting clothes on the shivering ill-clad, being available to your own families do this and the lights will turn on and your lives will turn around at once. Your righteousness will pave your way. The the God of glory will secure your passage. Then when you pray, God will answer. You'll call out for help and I'll say, here I am. And you know, friends, there's so much in the mission of God and justice is such a core part of it. It's not to say that the other parts of mission aren't important. They really very much are. And here's the good news, that these things tie so beautifully together. A church, and uh, Lord, a church with a big C that is committed to creation care and tackling racism and all the other injustices that we see around us is so very attractive to the world around us who haven't decided to follow Jesus yet too. We might be able to reach out to new people and introduce new people to the joy of being followers of Jesus Christ, how they can find forgiveness for their sins and a life in all its freedom and all its joy and all its fullness. And tackling the injustices that we see before us is part of how we do that. It's part of how we show what our faith looks like rather than just talking about it. And so friends, shout it aloud. Don't hold back raise your voice like a trumpet in critique of injustice and oppression around us. Let us pray and fast for a new outpouring of compassion. Let us develop the courage to fly in the face of our own self-interest when God calls us to act. Friends, may God find such a community amongst us, we pray. Amen. Amen.